Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, famous passage of scripture. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So if you think about the context of Isaiah, some scholars believe that Isaiah, you know, this is more modern scholarship, that Isaiah is to be split into three different books, 1st, 2nd, 3rd Isaiah. If we take that, then this would land in the second book, the first book being the traditional Isaiah who prophesied the destruction coming, second book being uh, those held in captivity, and then the third book being people returning from captivity. Just throwing that out there for what it's worth. Anyhow, uh, some people say in a nutshell. If you can put it in a nutshell, then that's where it belongs. <laughs> Anyhow, if this is the case, chapter 41 then is dealing with people in captivity, with the fall of Israel. And if that's the case then, God is speaking to a people in captivity. He's speaking to a people who are going through trials. He's speaking to a people who are facing tough times. Fear not, for I am with you. So people who are walking through the fire, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now I'm going to take my time this morning and deal with something. And I just need the help of the Holy Spirit on it. I want to preach about living in the no fear zone. Okay? Live in the no, look at your neighbor, just reinforce this, and say, live in the no fear zone. Okay, live in the no fear zone. Now, why am I preaching this? Because I've heard a lot of voices over the past uh, few days concerning things that will happen in the month of September. And... Um, I don't want to bring fear. I've never done that. I've never preached fear. I've tried not to in my whole life. But uh, I want to bring faith to the table. But I do want to address this. Okay. So I had a friend call me a few days ago. And he said, Hans, um, matter of fact, it was, a, it was a few weeks ago. He said, can you meet me tomorrow? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> Next week, maybe. So the following week, Dana and I drove a couple of hours to meet a friend, and we sat down. He said, i got to tell you what the Lord's been downloading to me. And he said, the Lord's been downloading some stuff concerning September. I think something great is coming in September. I think he is kind of seeing it as a move of God, great move of God happening. And then... Um, I start hearing a lot of chatter on the prophetic in the prophetic camps about what's coming in September. And there's a lot of prophetic people who've been seeing visions and having dreams of things that would come in September from angelic visitations to, uh, you know, maybe stuff being uncovered and just all kinds of talk going on in the prophetic realm. Then I have a friend who is very prophetic who called me, and uh, he said, I want to tell you, I didn't, I've not heard anything about what's coming in September, but I was praying recently and had a visitation from the Lord. 
And when this guy says it, I believe every word. And he said, uh, the Lord said something's coming in September big. And don't be alarmed or afraid because you'll hear a lot of fear in the airways. But don't be afraid. Then the news and kind of the secular media has talked about, you know, uh, BRICS currency, a corona resurgence, uh, dollar crashing, uh, blah, 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 all of the negative load of information we've heard coming in the fall. So now that I got your attention, <laughs> I look out there and everybody's... Uh, praise the Lord. I wanted to preach to it today. I wanted to preach to it. And here's my goal in preaching, just to be honest with you. I, wanna, I, wanna, I do believe in the prophets. I, I believe in the prophetic realm. Some of my best friends flow in that gift and in that office, and I do. Um, so that's why I'm making you aware that they're saying something's coming down the pike in September. So I, I, the Lord hasn't shown that to me. But I'm going to say I'm going to stand because of their word and make you aware of it. But number two, I want to preach to it. I want to preach to it. And I want to preach something that I preached in May 2020. Okay, so it's come out a little different, but I preached the same kind of thing in May 2020. If you remember where we were in May 2020, we were in lockdown. And I think I preached this by live stream because all of you guys were locked down somewhere. Okay, so I want to reiterate this and let it ring in your spirit again and let the word of faith arise in your heart today. Amen? Amen. We'll give you four keys to living in the no fear zone. Four keys to living in the no fear zone. So let's just, let's just jump in feet forward. First of all, you have to know that God holds the future. You have to know that God holds the future. He's got the future. He's the one who knows it. Even as prophets, the prophetic you see and prophesy as through a glass darkly. In part. We know in part. We prophesy in part. We're not given even in the prophetic realm. You're not given everything. That's just the, the nature of how we move and what we know. Right? I mean, I, I've, I've, the Lord's used me in the word of knowledge and I've, uh, I'll see certain things. I don't see everything. I'll just see certain things. And great things happen when we flow in what we see and what we hear. Okay? But God knows the future. The news media doesn't know the future. I'm going to say it loud for the people on the back row. Amen? <laughs> the news media doesn't know the future. They don't know the future. Spiritists, palm readers, they don't know the future. The devil, he knows his destiny. He doesn't know your future. I think he knows the gift that's on your life, but he doesn't hold your future. One person knows your future, and that's God alone. Hallelujah. God has it. God's already downstream in the future, and he knows already what's going to take place. 
That's the wisdom and foreknowledge of God. Amen? So God has the future. So we know if he has the future, then I'm going to put my faith in him. And my future is going to be okay. My future is going to be okay. The Bible says there will come a day when men's hearts will fail them for fear of what's coming on the earth. I'm not going to be in that crowd. That's not us. Hallelujah. That might be for the world. That isn't for the believers. We're not going to fear for things coming upon the earth. You need to know that God has the future and our future is sure in him. Think about David. I thought about David in, in this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David hasn't spoken yet in Scripture. We only see him being ordained by Samuel the prophet at Jesse's house. But then we come to the next chapter. That's in chapter 16. Chapter 17, we come to the, a battlefield scene. And there's a battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites. Some of you went to Israel with me the last time we visited that battlefield. And they're there, and for 40 days, and a Philistine champion named Goliath had been coming out morning and evening, presenting himself, and trash-talking the Israelites. And nobody would come out to fight him because everyone was afraid. And everyone knew they couldn't deal with this guy. He was just too much. So David is sent down by his father to check on his brothers at the battlefield. And when David comes down there, the Bible says he heard him. He heard this Philistine trash talking. And then he goes up to some of the soldiers and he says, so, so, so let me ask you a question. What will be done for the guy who takes this guy out? Because David, even though he was a youth, even though he was probably a teenager here, He's already thinking about victory. He's already thinking, What's, what am I going to get out of this deal if I take this guy out? And then his brother rebukes him. And then he comes up and he says to the king, Saul, he says, Let no man's heart fail him because of this guy. Don't be scared of this guy. Don't let anyone's heart fail them because of this guy, I'll go fight him. And Saul says, listen, son, you're just a youth. This guy's been a man of war for, for, since his youth. And, 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 and David says, it's no problem. I'll go do it. And Saul says this, go and the Lord be with you. I love the way the message translates this. Go and God help you. <laughs> go and God help you. And so he goes out onto the battlefield. He realizes that the armor Saul gave him will not fit, doesn't work. And so the Bible says he runs to the battle. And he runs out to the battle and the Philistine giant comes out and he says, Who am I? Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He said, Come here. I'll feed your flesh to the birds of the air. I mean, they said Larry Bird could do some trash talking. And it gets in your head. I heard one, one guy talking about Larry Bird. They said he came out and he said, hey, I'm going to go right over there. I'm going to stick it right in your face and shoot it three-point right in your face. You know what he did? He went right over there and shot it and nailed a three-pointer. Talk to me. And then David speaks back and he says, you come to me with a sword and spear and with a javelin. 
but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. See, he realized this wasn't about him, it's about God. He realized this battle is higher than just my, my feelings here. This day, the Lord, you talk about positive confession, declaration. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Then, I feel like standing like Clint Eastwood when I read this. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. If there's ever been a faith confession, that was it, my brother. He walked in declaring what he knew. He knew this guy wasn't in covenant with God. He called it out. Why does this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the Lord? It's, he, he doesn't have the right to do that. And so what happens? David reached out into his bag, took out a stone, put it in the sling, slung it, struck the Philistine right on his forehead, knocked him backwards, cold, out cold. He runs up on him, unsheaths his sword, and cuts his head off. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So the facts were stacked against David and Israel. But in the face of facts, David spoke by faith. Let me let that, let that get in your spirit. Against the facts, David spoke by faith and he did not come into agreement with the enemy and he didn't come into agreement with the fearful army of the Israelites shaken in their boots. He stepped out as the man of faith. So what we have to do is realize that God is holding our future and we're not going to come into agreement with the voice of the enemy. And I'm not going to come into agreement with those who are walking in fear. I'm going to step out on the battlefield by faith and declare what God is going to do in this situation. Can somebody shout amen? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, the fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. Fear becomes a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body or what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? He isn't saying, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, He says some extreme things to make a point. Like, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. I don't think He's actually saying physically pluck it out, but get that serious about the condition of your heart. If you got a problem looking at things, take the most extreme measures to deal with it. And I think he's saying something extreme here, and that is that, that don't just get up in the morning and wear a bed sheet out. Think about what you're going to wear, but don't let it be to the point of consuming your life. Don't let the affairs of the daily life take you over. Don't let the food and the raiment and the house and the kids and the yard and the beavers in the yard and the 
snakes coming up in the porch. And don't let that consume your life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. For me, it was muskrats. Don't let the muskrats take over your life. Don't let a busted pipe destroy your peace. Hallelujah. Don't let a bad CNN news report destroy your faith. Come on, no, God is out in the future. God is taking care of the future. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself and its worries are sufficient for the day. Somebody shout amen. Come on, shout it with me. Wave your hand and say, God's got us. He's got our future. Second thing I want to tell you is you don't need to come into agreement with the voice of fear because there are going to be many voices. One prophetic friend who talked to me about what's coming in September, he said, I don't think there's going to be an interruption of the daily life. But he said, I do believe there's going to be a lot of voices or a lot of fear in the airways. Don't come into agreement with the voice of fear. Because the more I, I, I go in this thing, the more I realize all Satan has to work with. He's already been defanged. He's already been stripped of his power and authority. He already has been defeated at the cross and through the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. According to Colossians 2.15, he's been stripped down. Hallelujah. He was defeated. But he's still here given a space of time to wreak havoc. And what I realize is what he has to work on are deceptions and lies and untruths. And he works on deceptions and lies and untruths. So we need to watch ourselves that we don't get into agreement with the deception and lies and untruths. So what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve when Satan tempted Eve, you know, the ultimate sin was she partook of the fruit that was forbidden. But before she partook of the fruit, she already had come into agreement with the voice of the enemy. She had believed that lie. She had given in to believing something that wasn't right that caused their downfall. Don't get into believing the lies of the enemy. Don't stand there and take it. I talked to a friend the other day who called me. His wife was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And I said, okay, man. Dude, I'm praying for you. Man, I'm praying for you. But I said, here's what you do. You fight. You fight. Get into the Word. Let the Word resonate in your house. Don't open yourself up to anything else but His Spirit and His Word. Do what God says do. Pray about every decision. Pray about every doctor's appointment. Submit it to that feet of Jesus. Don't give it. Because, you know, when a report like that is given, the first thing that comes is a Mack truck full of fear. Satan just wants to back it up and dump it all out on you. That's when you have to stand and say, no, I have a greater report. I have a higher report. And my report is that I am healed. I am the healed. I am the healed. I'm walking in the blessing of the new covenant, which is healing. I'm just going ahead and declaring I'm in that camp, and I'm not going to walk in fear over this thing. Because the enemy wants to take you out through fear. Ruby, who's standing here, came last Saturday night to a camp meeting I preached. And we hadn't seen her in eight weeks. Well, I didn't know it, but she was at home with terrible leg pain and was crawling through the house. Crawling through the house. And she came saying, I came to be healed tonight. We prayed over, the pastors prayed, I prayed, and... 
and, and sh you know, she left still in pain, still hobbling. And I thought, well, I, I looked at Dana and I said, Ruby's a faith woman. She's going to get it. She's going to get it. Then we show up Sunday night for a prayer meeting here at the church. We had a worship night. And lo and behold, here she comes walking to me. I was like, come on. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Don't, and she told me, I'm not accepting this thing. I'm just fighting this, fighting, fighting. I'm not receiving the fear. I'm not sucking it in. Satan's not going to take me out that way. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand and believe God to the last, to the last straw, whatever that is. Don't agree with the voice of the enemy. Don't agree with the voice of fear. It's a battle, but don't agree with the... Don't agree! Don't agree with the voice of fear. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at your husband or wife. Say, don't agree with the voice of fear. We put it down. We pull it down. It doesn't have a place with us. In Jesus' name. 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 Hallelujah. In Jesus. Because fear comes and dethrones the Lord in your thinking. Because fear will come and it will take God in His power off the throne of your mind. And you say, okay, what, Lord, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh, did you hear what's coming down? And then we start, then the fear becomes magnified and we're that we're diminishing the power of God in our lives. I want to magnify the Lord. I want to magnify His power and ability in my life. You know, I'm just more convinced than ever we're to walk in victory 24-7, 365. That I'm to walk in victory 24-7, 365. You're to walk in victory 24-7, 365. Get the weights off, the sin that doth so easily beset you. Put it behind you. Get the bad stuff out of your life. Get the bad thinking out of your life. Turn off the bad voices, the bad music, the bad whatever. Get it out of your life. Pour the Word into your life. Pour the Word. Come into agreement with the Word, not into agreement with the, with the fear that's in this world. Mark chapter 5, Jesus is encountered by a guy named Jairus. Jairus says, could you come and heal my daughter? She's at home at the point of death. Jesus says, sure, I'll come heal her. They go start marching to Jairus' house. They're pushing through a crowd. And then a woman with an issue of blood interrupts them and she gets her healing. And then they keep on going. And then they're stopped by a person from Jairus' home who says, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's died. And that's like, bam. That's like the ultimate. It's over. She's dead. Mourners have come over. Funeral home's already visited. Making arrangements. So what does he do? I don't know. I would like to have the full-blown atmosphere in the text but we're not given that all we're given is that Jesus looks at him and I like to think he grabbed him by the shoulders and pulled him close and said don't be afraid only believe how many of y'all are sitting next to someone you know okay if you know them, this is cool. If you don't know them, this ain't cool. 
grab them by the shoulders <laughs> and say, don't be afraid. Only believe. <laughs> Come on, hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Only believe. So they march on. They go down there. Here's all the mourners gathered around the house. And Jesus says, she's only sleeping. And they ridicule him. And so he says, everybody out. Everybody out. Out of the house. And he comes in with his disciples and the mom and dad. Goes down to the daughter. Raises her from the dead. He spoke into that fear, faith. He spoke into that impossible situation, the word of life. Come on, hallelujah. He didn't get himself in agreement with the reporter coming from the house. He didn't get in agreement with the mourners at the house. He cleared all of that out. And he goes in with faith and causes a miracle to happen because he stuck not with the unbelievers, not with the doubting and the, the anxious people. He got with the word of the Lord and went in and raised this girl from the dead. Come on, somebody. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Be careful who you're talking to. Be careful who you're listening to. Sometimes you have to put people out of the room of your heart to say, I've got to hear from the Lord because you don't make good decisions when you're paralyzed by fear. You don't make great decisions and your mental abilities are, are paralyzed by fear. You don't see faith sometimes. You need the Word of God speaking into you. You need a friend that lifts you up and gets you by the shirt collar and brings you back into the reality of God's power to do everything he said he could do you need to get to church come on when you get around people of faith like this and we start building up your faith we start singing songs of faith I'm preaching the word of faith that we says you could we say you can make it you're gonna overcome you're gonna make it in Jesus name don't give in to sales tactics that use fear Don't, you can't make it without this product. Baloney. I got a Greek word for that. Baloney. <laughs> Don't give in to preachers who raise money based on fear. Don't do it. Don't give in to churches that raise money. That's why I don't operate that way. We're not operating by the spirit of fear or the spirit of poverty. I'm not coming at you with the spirit of poverty. We're barely making it. And, and I'm, I'm not just ridiculing people. I'm talking, why don't let's speak out of faith and speak out of prosperity. That we give because we're going to be blessed. We give because God commanded us to give. Come on, somebody. Not, out, not agreeing with the spirit of fear, but agreeing with the spirit of faith. That's good enough. Y'all can live on that for 40 more years. We could go to KFC right now and have a good Sunday. Amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Let me give you two more points. Walk in the no-fear zone. How? By standing on the Word. To walk in the no-fear zone, we got to get in the Word. Because once you immerse yourself in the Word, it starts reworking your thinking. And you start thinking according to the Word. You start speaking according to the Word. Your answers become the Word. And there's people and revisionists out there and, you know, uh, there, there's historical criticism and all that that says, well, no, we can't claim that over our lives. That was for Israel. Or no, we can't claim that over our lives. That was for first century apostles. No, we can't claim this over our lives because that was apocalyptic literature in the end of Revelation. No, we can't claim this over our lives. That was really a letter to a man named Philemon. And we can't do 
God has given us. We should use our brains. But I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I realize God gave me this word to overcome. He gave me this word as the word of life. I'm going to take Psalm 91 and quote it over my life. I'm going to take Psalm 23, quote it over my life. Hallelujah. I'm going to take Philippians 4.19, quote it over my life. I'm going to put myself in the text. Pray myself in the text. Quote and declare myself in the text. Why? Because I've seen people who walk in victory, they do that. That's how they live. I'm in, I'm living in the text. And the word is alive to me. Notice while Jesus used the Bible. What happened? There was no New Testament in Matthew chapter 4, right? There was no New Testament when Jesus was living. The New Testament was written about his life. So when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he comes back at three occasions because he was given three different temptations. In each occasion, he comes back and responds with the word. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He didn't get into a conversation with the enemy. He didn't agree with the voice of temptation. Command these stones to be made bread. Really? Oh, gee. I am hungry. No, immediately the word came out of him. The word came out. Secondly, Satan comes to him and he takes him on a holy up to the uh, holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, why don't you just cast yourself down if you're the son of God? Because Psalm 91 says he will command his angels concerning you. And he said, it is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then he takes him up on a high mountain, shows him all of the kingdoms of the earth, and he says, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these. And he says, it is written, you shall only worship the Lord your God and serve him. Then he rebukes the devil, and he flees, and he waits for another opportune time to come and test him. But then at one other point, Jesus tells his disciples, he said, the Son of Man has come. And the enemy has found nothing in me. Meaning the enemy, I've heard in the original language, it it, it could be translated this way, and he's found no hook in me. The enemy came to my life and he found nothing he could hook anything onto in my life. How many of you have hooks hanging out there? And when the enemy comes, he finds something to, to anchor onto. Get rid of all the hooks. Get rid of all the bait, amen? Get clean before the Lord and, and realize that the Word is what you must stand on. It becomes your anchor. It becomes your mooring ball. You know what a mooring ball is? Is something you put into the water that floats and a chain hooks to a boat. And so the boat will stay tethered tethered to the mooring ball and won't drift out to sea. The Word of God is like that. When doubts come, like the waves, the Word keeps us grounded. When the winds blow and try to push us out to sea, the Word keeps us grounded. When friends come, like Job's friends, and give all their philosophical wisdom 
as to why you're suffering and going through things that you're going through. You look back to the Word and it grounds you and it keeps you, your feet from falling. Come on, can somebody shout amen? And then when it comes to the Word, it has to be spoken. It, you know, it's one thing to read the Word understand the Word, memorize the Word, and it's another thing to speak the Word and let it out there to where the devil hears it, where you hear it, where the angels in the room hear it, and where, the, where your people and your friends and your family hear it, and you, it goes into the atmosphere. He said, my word doesn't go out void, but it accomplishes all that I send it out to do. And when you start declaring the word over things, I believe there is power in speaking it out. And I'm getting excited. Sometimes I hear myself and I say, well, why am I talking like this? Because I'm excited. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Start speaking out the word and declaring it over your situation. You say, well, I don't feel anything. I don't care. Keep on speaking the word. Well, I'm not seeing anything yet. I don't care. Keep on speaking the word. Keep on declaring the word. Just make a decision now that you're never going to stop. Just make a decision now. I'm never going back. You know, some of y'all... Some of y'all quit smoking probably. And it took a decision to say, I'm never going back to it. I will never go back to it. And you did it. You got to be like that with the word. I will never not speak it. I will never not believe it. I will never not put it into my spirit. I made the decision from here on out till I go to glory, I'm going to be declaring it. Come on somebody, shout hallelujah. One more thing. Know that God has our future. We're not coming into agreement with the voice of fear. Stay in the word. Live in the word. Saturate yourself in the word. And then finally, walk in love. Flow in love. Let no fear. Let no fear of what you hear coming shake you. Because we're going to walk in love. And we're going to bless. See, here's what, here's what gets me. Is that if you study the history of the Christian church and how the church responded to national crises, the church always showed up. I thought about it back in 2020 when the coronavirus came. I studied the history of uh, pandemics and how the church had responded to pandemics. And I found two glaring examples. One was the church in the Roman Empire, there was a plague in a certain area of the Roman Empire. And when a lot of people fled, the Christians stayed right there and ministered to people. Number two was the Spanish flu epidemic in the early 20th century. And that's when early Pentecostalism began. And what happened was the Pentecostals stayed. They went into the homes of those who had the flu and prayed for them. And they showed up strong. They didn't run, cower, or back down in fear. See, what happened in 2020 was a pandemic happened. We know it was terrible. Some of us lost friends. I preached funerals. I preached a funeral about a week ago of a lady who was damaged from COVID and then ended up passing away. A dear friend attending this church. So it was a real deal. Real deal cooked up somewhere.
there was, when 2020, when the coronavirus happened, you know, we were all in lockdown, I started just researching any prophetic voices that saw this coming. Because I wanted to know what are they saying. And I found three people out of all the ones I listened to who really said they saw something. One was Chuck Pierce. The other was a guy named Kevin Zadai who said everything in 2020 that can shake will be shaken. He said it in 2019. And then another guy, Tracy Cook, who's from North Carolina, who said it. And I'm not endorsing these guys. I don't really even know them. But uh, he said in 2019, he said the Lord showed him he was, he was pastoring, he was ministering in South America with uh, the, the Hispanic brother from Florida, Maldonado. And he was in Florida with him, and he said the Lord showed him a, a virus being cooked up in a laboratory in China. And so there were prophetic voices hearing this, not the majority. Because I listened to a ton and a few heard what was coming, right? But what I saw happen was this terrible pandemic that we tried our best to know how to respond to. But one thing I did see come with that was a megaton of fear. A lot of fear came. So I'm thinking, Lord... I know on this earth we have tribulation. Jesus said it. On this earth, Matthew chapter 24, he said you're going to have wars and rumors of wars. The love of many will wax cold. There are going to be hatred in men's hearts. Many false Christs will come and proclaim that they're the truth. There will be deception in the land. So we know things will come. But at some point, what I'm striving for is to encounter any situation in pure faith and love. In pure faith and love, and walk through it strong in faith and love. Because when we have love in our hearts, it drives out fear. Medieval theologian Thomas Aquinas said this. He said a lot of great things. He said, In this world, there's not a lot of compassion because the world is gripped with fear. And fear drives compassion from our hearts. What's that look like? You showing up trying to buy a roll of toilet paper and everybody getting mad. Jesus. Or not being able to find bread, right? We were there, if you remember. I finally found one health food store that had yeast. I said, that's all I need. Yeast and YouTube. We can conquer the world. I went home, how to make bread. And I made some of the most killer bread you've ever eaten in your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. I brought it to worship practice one night. Brad Strobel says, why don't you get back on that bread making kick? It was awesome. But people were so fearful. They got so fearful we lost compassion. I went to fly during the corona thing, and I was late kind of for my flight. It hadn't boarded yet, but I got up, and I just kind of bucked up next to a wall and set my bag down, and a guy says, could you please move away? I thought Spirit of Mike Tyson about came on me, but I didn't let it. (laughs) 
I said, no problem, bro. We'll move away. Because we're all getting on a metal tube and breathing the same air that's recirculated here in a second. Come on, man. Sorry. Jesus, forgive me. But I mean, you know, we can use our brains and we can be good stewards of our lives and good stewards of our health. But some people, fear causes you to go crazy. Fear unseats faith. Fear unseats the Lord in your thinking. And fear takes over. And then it's every man for himself. That's not the spirit of Jesus. It's not the spirit of Jesus. We are here to help other people. We are here to be a blessing to other people. We are to be salt and light in this world. This church is to be a center of love and compassion for everybody. From every background, from every race, at every age, wherever you're coming from. I don't care if you come from Gates County or Weeksville. We're going to love you either way. I don't care if you come from Perquimans or Camden. We're going to love you either way. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. If you're an Appalachian hillbilly or you come from Brazil, we're going to love you either way it goes. Amen? Come, Come on. That's the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of love. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. And they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. So we start showing the love and sharing the love and blessing people. Fear goes and love flows. Fear goes. John said there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. Because when you're afraid, you're afraid of judgment or fear has its own punishment. To be afraid is a punishment in itself. But John says when you get mature love, it casts out that. Now you're not concerned just about yourself. You love others. I'm going to tell you something. Something's been burning in my heart. You're going to hear it soon because I've been working on it. But we're walking around with heaven in us. We're walking around with deliverance in us. And we're walking around with healing in us. But yet we're walking by people every day and not giving a flip whether they get it or not. Love compels us to share what we have in our hearts. Somebody told me this recently. They said, uh, I ran into somebody who said, I was invited to church the other day. And I asked and said, what church do you go to? They said, we go to Fountain of Life Church. This guy says, I don't attend Fountain of Life, but every time I'm asked to church in this area, almost always it's from Fountain of Life people. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. That's you guys. That's wanting to share the love. Come on. So we're walking down the street the other day of Elizabeth City. Dana and I, we're just walking and we're talking about this. Dana said, we need to be praying for some people. Literally, it literally came off her tongue. And I see a guy between buildings who's homeless. I said, well, let's go pray. We go encounter this guy and just pray for him, bless him, ask him if he needs anything, and just spend some time talking to him and pouring into his life. 
And I thought, that's not New York City. That we're not in Chicago somewhere. We're not even in Portsmouth or Chesapeake or Virginia Beach. We're in Elizabeth City here. And if we love, how can it, how can it not but come out? But you don't know what's coming. What, what, what does the devil have? You know what? I'm a love man. <laughs> I'm a faith man. I'm going to declare his love and declare faith. I'm going to walk without fear in my life. I've had enough fear in my past. When I was young, I had a lot of fears. I was intimidated. I was an introvert. I, was, I wouldn't speak to anybody in public. I've had a long history of overcoming fear, and I'm not going back. I'm not going back to live in some kind of fear situation. I've been set free from fear, hallelujah, and now I'm not going back to it. Come on. How many of y'all can wave and say, I'm never going back? I'm going to walk in faith. Walk in faith. Back in 2001, let me, let me, we're going to pray right now, but back in 2001, I was in Washington, D.C. when 9-11 happened. And man, you talk about fear. Mega fear came on us there. I was pastoring. In Chesapeake, in December of 1999, talk about fear, we were facing Y2K. The world's going to shut down. We were facing fear. But I heard, of all people, I heard a message in 2001 after 9-11 by Kenneth Copeland that blessed my socks off. He preached the whole year, I think, on no fear. And he's a Texan, so he speaks like a Texan. And everything's big, bless God. But he said this in his preaching. He said, I don't care. If they pour a 50-pound sack of anthrax on my head, I'm not going to be afraid. When he said that, I got up and shouted all over my house. Holy Ghost hit me. And I thought, thank you, brother. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be afraid. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Though the world crashes in around me, I'm not going to be afraid. Why? I'm safe in the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right side, but it shall not touch me. I'm going to stand in faith believing that my God is still the God of the Bible. Hallelujah. Fear be gone from your life in Jesus' name. Fear be gone from this church. I release faith in the, as the pastor of this church. I declare fear will not rule or reign in our congregation, but faith and great faith is going to be the deal here. If you believe that somebody shout hallelujah hey guys thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast and i hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing today jesus is the answer i can tell you he is the answer for your life i'd love to pray with you before we leave here so if you never accepted christ into your life or if you just have a need in your life let's lift it up to the lord right now come on pray with me lord jesus Wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.